do not adjust your settings. Take your hands off the keys. Your search is over. These are the geeks you're looking for. You found Geek Watch One with Kylan and Ken. This is going to be quite a ride. I love you. Me too, man. Hit me, hit me, my turn. Am I the meanest? Show down. Am I the prettiest? Show down. Am I the baddest mofo low down around this town? Show down. Well, who am I? Show down. The Shogun of Harlem. For what lies ahead, ready are you? We're police officers. We're not trained to handle this kind of violence. <laughs> hey, gangsters, I'm Kyle. And I'm Ken. And you found Geek Watch 1. That started already. Wow, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> The first right. time and the whole time we were doing this show, I think Rob Snyder actually just got him. Yeah. <laughs> he realized what that last clip was or something. <laughs> so welcome back, Geeksters. Geek Watch 1, live from the Malted Meeple. And we're actually being um, joined today by the Rubber City Book Posse. Yeah. Welcome, guys. Yeah. So we have a full house today. We do. This is the most I think we've ever had at the Meeple. Yeah. I think we have. See, this is what we should have every time we're at the meeple. <laughs> We need to bring more people in. If we need to, we'll bring more microphones. Yeah, absolutely. I have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, have, we have another two at home, so... We can, yeah. you know, we can, we can, we can figure out something. Yeah, I, I, may have to get a, I may have to get an actual soundboard then, though. Uh, to have enough inputs. Yeah, so we don't want I'll figure that. out how to do it. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like I said, we're here with the Rubber City Book Posse, and actually... Why don't you guys tell us, what is the Rubber City Book Posse? I mean, we've mentioned it here on the show a little bit, but you guys, it's your book group, so... a bunch of people that read. No. Um, (laughs) We are, um, the way we started out was the local branch of an international thing called Book Crossing. Uh, You can check it out at bookcrossing.com. And it's a free kind of um, make the world a library kind of thing where we just kind of... We read books, we buy books, we pass books along, we leave them random places for strangers to find. And if you wanted to sign up for bookcrossing.com, it's completely free, and every single book, you can register it and get its own bookcrossing ID code, and when you put that on the book, and you can leave a little note inside that basically says, you know, let us know where you found us, you can actually track where your book travels. Oh, that's cool. So it's kind of a cool little thing. Um, If you see a lot of the, the free libraries around, a lot of times... Um, they're stocked by or run by people into the book crossing thing, even if they don't know about book crossing, they're kind of into the thing. Uh, and Andy, our buddy Andy, is actually going to have um, either a shelf or a little cabinet at Odd Mall Outpost for us to put books into and people can grab them. So we're going to have our own free little library. Cool. Yes. Um, going on there if you visit the outpost. Uh, so yeah, so that's what we do, and we're the, the local branch of it. We get together a couple times a month to talk books, sometimes, and mostly other stuff. <laughs> and, um, well, yeah. I, I have a question. Did book yeah. crossing was... Now, you said you can register... Have you registered books that you're doing? Um, have you I, done I this? have, yes. Yeah. Yes. What's the farthest a book that you've registered has gone that you know of? Um, I had one go to Iceland. Wow. Oh, cool. um, and I had a couple go to Australia, but I've had them go everywhere. Some of them I purposely send to places. If people, like, there, there's a way of actually listing, like, on, on the forums on bookcrossing.com, you can actually request books, and you can see people's wish lists to just randomly send them to them. 
Michelle has done this kind of more than anyone in the group. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and, and has been on the top numbers-wise for books registered on that site. Yeah, I'm 15th in the world of book crossing for registered books. Yeah. <laughs> so where are yours on? Um, Any surprising I, places? Iran. Okay. Netherlands, Japan, just lots and lots of yeah. places. Maldives. <laughs> Maldives. And we get books from everywhere, too. Michelle gets a lot of them for us for the uh, the Akron... Uh, the library book festival we do every February where yes. we give away hundreds of books. Mm-hmm. Um, Michelle tends to collect most of them. Um, and, and we get some of them too. But they, they come in from everywhere. Like people who are on Book Crossing are willing to send you books from anywhere in the world. Yes. Like just cool. finding out that they can release them and give them, pass them on to others. They'll pack up a box and send yeah, it to I get, you. I get boxes every year for Oddmall and for... Yeah. Okay. The reading festival. And so that's where we get our books for Oddmall. We get yeah. them through the, the book posse and... And uh, that kind of thing that, that we pass along. Cool. And you said that's bookcrossing.com? Yes, yeah. it is. And it, does the representative book possibly have like a Facebook page or something if anybody wanted to see We do have a Facebook page that's, um, I believe it just says Rubber City Book Posse. Okay. Um, and With can, money, not you, two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the, uh, the, the Summit County, uh, the Akron Library had a habit of putting two E's on posse every time they gave like, us our table. I was, like, I, was I was wondering how you were spelling word. Uh, no, it, like, <laughs> it, was, it was the word posse. They were convinced it had two E's on it. We would see it in the ad. There were a few years when we were first part of the reading fest that it would actually be in the ad with two E's. And I'm like, people are going to think we're the ones that did that. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually, the, the, the past couple of years, we, we finally got rid of that extra E. Yeah. So, uh... So yay like so you the, 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 the last E was silent anyway. So So yeah, we're we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter on, as a RCBP, uh, which I very occasionally put something on Twitter there, but mostly it's reminding people of a meeting or something like that. But uh, but if you are in the Akron area and you want to join us, first Tuesday of the month, uh, seven o'clock at Books a Million on How, and typically third Saturday of the month. At Nervous Dog on Steel Corners right. in Stowe. Um, That's a cool little coffee shop. So yeah, it, it's a great coffee shop for for, for having little meetings in. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> they have sandwiches and salads and coffee. And, uh, yeah. Although we we do we haven't done this in a while. We have the occasional outing like we do. Yeah, but we haven't done that in a while. But we should Since do that the again. Zoo debacle. We have not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How you know? Yeah, they, uh, yeah. We're, we're terrorists. We're not even going to talk about the zoo debacle, but but we were terrorists uh, for leaving books. We're terrorists. Literary terrorists. Maybe a book in a library. I'm a terrorist. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But so that, that's the book posse in a nutshell. Okay, and then um, the, one of the reasons you guys are here, our subject today, once we get to the main subject, is going to be books to movies to books. That's right. Right. Basically, it's... Um, so did you do any research? I, well, I have some of it. This is one of those topics that you basically your whole life you're researching, because all of us have read novels that are based on uh, movies, or watch movies based on novels. That's basically have, what we're talking about. I have a few on my list that are... Books I read a long time ago. Yeah. Movies, mm-hmm. So, so we're going to get to that in a minute. But we do want to remind you guys: we have um, next weekend is the grand opening of Multimeeple. Or yeah, Multimeeple. That's where we're at now. But the grand opening of the Audible Outpost. Well, week and a no, half. No, week and a half. Week and a half. Yeah. 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 So next weekend. Next weekend is uh, on September eighth. Just yes. to clarify, September eighth. Yes. 
And that means, um, so come out, check it out. There's going to be all kinds of fun stuff. Andy's looking for stilt walkers and jugglers and all kinds of fun stuff, whatever you want to do there. and all that kind of stuff. Just because he's Andy. Andy just wants entertainment. Well, he's going to have live performances there. Yes. Um, we'll and have Carmen, who's set with up. us yes. today, is going to be one of the Carmen performers. Carmen will be one of the performers. performers. Um, he's wanting to do workshops for people who do, are artists and want to show off what they do. And it's going to be a busy day, yeah. is basically what it comes down to. And then uh, the next day will be the first time you can actually come see the mall, see the Geek Watch 1 live at the Mall Outpost. Because the Outpost right. will be open and we will be recording at we, noon. We're, we're you know, uh, we now, we but, are the choir loft. But we're, yes. we're going to warn you guys because that's the same weekend as uh, Iron Fist. And we're spoiling the whole thing, so... <laughs> As we usually do. Yeah, so just be we prepared. If you it. haven't seen it, uh, just be prepared for it. But yeah, we figure maybe it won't be quite very, very busy at the outpost. May not be, but yeah. So, we'll see. Yeah. We'll find yeah, out. We'll, we'll, we'll create a sign that says spoilers, and we'll put it up every time we're talking about it. There you go. Yep, and then I think it's just two weeks later. That, uh, September's busy for Oddmall, because we One have week Oddmall. after it's that. One week. Because it's the 15th. Yeah, the next weekend, the 15th and 16th, is Oddmall Rubber City Rumpus. Yes. At the Derby Downs in Akron. Yep. That's right. And, um, and if, if you don't know Derby Downs, it's Soapbox Racing. Look it up. And you can ride one of the cars down that hill yes. while you're at They have Soapbox Derby cars for adults. What? <laughs> yeah. Huh? So I think it's like five bucks for a ride yeah, down the hill. Yeah, five bucks to go down the hill. I didn't get a chance last year. This year, I got to do it. Are they said they have. I'm gonna We're gonna be betting. I'm gonna be betting some people. Yeah, yeah. actually, no. We need both of you guys doing it at the same no, time. No, we're, we're gonna do it for pinks. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just drag straight up, fast and furious yeah. up in there. Right. <laughs> well, which one you want to go first? But yeah, they, and I know. Um, I know the car will fit me because mm-hmm. Big Phil, our friend, who's actually yep. bigger than me, yep. actually rode one last year. Yeah. So they have cars they're, for. They're, they are. Adults. They do have roomy cars. So that's going to be a blast. We will have all the stuff we usually do. We'll have the two costume contests. We'll have the entertainment. We'll have Geek Watch 1 will be set up there. Tangible will be set up there. It's just a blast. All the vendors our, come our, out and have a good time. Our combustible games will be set up yes. there. Yes. Mm-hmm. We should have Cassie versus Zoe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> have them in the cars. We'll be holding them. Oh, my yeah. God. <laughs> that would be fun. They better so be Zoe strapped on to us. <laughs> Zoe will probably be coming. Um, okay. might leave a little early to go pug fest. Ah, um, okay. But we'll be back. But cool. Zoe will be there at least part of the weekend. Awesome. Um, also, oh, no. picture when those, like, when those front harnesses yeah, are baby. Yeah, 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 put them in there. Oh, oh, oh. Like, <laughs> that reminds me, Vicky saw um, a video on Facebook this morning. It was, what kind of dog? It was like a wine runner, big hound dog in a, a sidecar of a motorcycle. It was a great day with, great a, day? with a Pomeranian strapped Pomeranian to his chest. strapped to his chest on one of those chest oh harnesses in a sidecar of a motorcycle. Oh Both of them were wearing goggles. Wow. Okay. There you go. Okay, well. Hit your dog places. That's right. Um, well, from there, I think it's, we need to get <laughs> no, a little bit of news. Yes. What are, what's going on in geek news? There's this been week? a okay at the beginning of the week. There was nothing happening, and then all of a sudden, a bunch of stuff came out. Um, so I I have some some rather cool things. First of all, I want to mention that if you are interested at all in the Marvel Rising initiation uh, cartoon series, which is web based. Um, the, the first six episodes are now available on the Marvel HQ YouTube channel. This is the one that focuses on the female heroes and primarily on Ghost Spider slash Gwen Stacy. 
it's not a spoiler to tell you that's who it is. Uh, <laughs> you get it right from the start. Um, it also has Quake, uh, Squirrel Girl, and Ms. Marvel, uh, as well as Patriot. And uh, it's, it's actually really good. The, the full six episodes are available in a single video. I watched them. They're only like 22 minutes for the whole video. So they're quick episodes. So is this like... Um Basically, their idea, because Star Wars did this with Forces of Destiny, and we're all on YouTube. Is this the same, similar style? I don't know, because I don't watch Star Wars stuff. Ah. Um, so, this is, uh, it, it's very, the uh, animation is very similar to the more, most recent Avengers cartoons okay. um, that are on television, and it's, it's a little darker than you'd expect. It's not necessarily geared towards the younger kids. <laughs> um, it's definitely more of a, a, a teen sort of thing, but it, it's a really good story so far. And interestingly, the theme song, which is called "Born Ready," is performed by Dove Cameron, who is the voice of Ghost Spider slash Gwen Stacy, and she appeared on the last season of Agents of Shield. She was the general's daughter who kind of went wacko and oh, cool. got the stuff in herself and that. So she's yeah. sticking with Marvel. But yeah, so that's available now. Uh, another thing I found was that. Pickle Rick is getting his own comic from Oni Press because we all love Pickle Rick from Rick and Morty. Um, it's just come out in the November solicits that uh, Oni Press has been doing some single comics for certain characters from Rick and Morty. Um, and Pickle Rick is the next one up, and it's kind of a reimagined version of the episode, if you've seen it, where he basically turns himself into a pickle to get out of family therapy time. And then he goes on this whole adventure, meeting Jaguar, who in the show is voiced by Danny Trejo. Right. Um, and Jaguar is on a search for his daughter, and he hates Rick, and they battle it out while Rick is a pickle. Um, and it's pretty impressive. But anyway, there's a comic coming, so I'm going to be getting it. I'm just sharing that with everybody. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, another thing was the Hugo Awards. They were announced this week, which is um, kind of one of the, the smaller versions of, we would say, the sci-fi Oscars. Yeah. And the awesome thing was well, that... Hugo Awards is mostly books, right? Uh, no, it, it has uh, a couple of film and TV categories. Okay. But it is primarily books. It's books and comics. Yeah. Uh, graphic novels and such. Um, this year, uh, women were the big winners. They took home the awards for 15 of the 17 categories. Wow. wow. Best novel went to The Stone Sky by N.K. Jemisin, who is the first author to win the category for three years in a row. Best graphic story went to Monstrous Volume 2, and this is the same series that won five Eisner Awards recently. So obviously you should check out Monstrous. Um, best dramatic presentation long form, a.k.a. best movie, went to Wonder Woman. And the best dramatic presentation short form, which is essentially usually the best TV episode, went to the Good Place episode, The Trolley Problem. And already, if you don't watch The Good Place, you should be watching The Good Place. I don't think I've watched The Good Place. <laughs> um, the Good Place is the Kristen Bell and Ted Danson show. And um, I can't really say too much about it other than The Good Place is essentially heaven. And Kristen Bell's character dies and goes to The Good Place. But something's not quite right, and I can't give everything else anything else away without really spoiling things. But the trolley problem's a good episode. <laughs> what channel is that on? There's, so um, is it NBC? NBC. NBC. Okay. Uh, and the next season is starting up soon. Um, but it's got a lot of philosophy in it, like, and it's surprisingly, it's a surprisingly educated show for being a comedy. Put it that way. <laughs> um, but it's very geek friendly in that way. Um, so the trolley problem is all about um, kind of the philosophy of of doing saving one at the cost of many versus 
sacrificing one to save many. So it's it's a really good show. But anyway, so those are some of the main things that we would recognize the categories for. Um, is that first season streaming yet? Do you know? Um, I know it's on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. Yeah, and I think it's had I think it's had two seasons already. Yeah, that was the yeah. second season that finished last year. So. Yeah, so it's the third one's coming up. But yeah, yeah NBC puts them up pretty quick, so you probably got the second season up on Netflix. It now might too. be on Netflix already too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth watching. I can tell you here in a second. Um, and an interesting story I found about Disney was that it is now offering to pay tuition for its hourly workers to anyone who wants to get a degree of some type or their GED. Um, the company is offering full tuition, and this is up to as many as 80,000 hourly workers in the U.S. that are eligible for this. Um, and it'll it'll be online classes for now, and if they, there's enough desire, they will actually have in-person college courses. This even includes masters um, for people who already have degrees. Um, they'll initially invest fifty million dollars into the Disney Aspire program, and up to twenty-five million a year after that. It includes a, a network of schools, and it even includes English language learning for for those who who require that, as well as vocational training. And they'll cover 100% of tuition up front and also reimburse application fees and required books and materials. So oh, nice. if you get involved in this, you don't have to worry about anything, and they just want you to be educated. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's pretty awesome. So is this yeah. like for park employees and stuff too? Well, who, it's hourly workers. So oh, okay. anyone that works for the company that gets the hourly wage as opposed to a salary wage. So, I so yeah, an influx of people who's going to move to Florida. Yes, to <laughs> a lot of people suddenly <laughs> want to work for Disney. Yeah, so I thought that was really cool that they're doing that. Um, what else do I have? Uh, I actually have a DC-related story, uh, <laughs> and I know Ken's happy because I never, I never have these stories. Um, but anyway, this is about the upcoming season of The Flash and the announcement that one of the villains they're going to have is Ragdoll. Yeah. Now the reason I, I caught this story is because I actually love Ragdoll because I've read Secret Six, and he's a character in that. Um, this is a. They were looking to cast someone, and the character itself is um, is a villain, and he's he's tall and skinny and contortionist like. The reason he's called Ragdoll is because he essentially unstuffed dolls and put himself in the Ragdoll outfit when he was going to commit crimes. And he would like squeeze into places and get into small spaces because he was a contortionist. Well, they have found their, their casting for this and his name is Troy James and he's a contortionist. He's already appeared on The Strain, Channel Zero and Shadowhunters. And the place to find him is from America's Got Talent. Look him up on YouTube. Um, the name again is Troy James, America's Got Talent. It's creepy and amazing. Contortionists <laughs> in general are usually, and he is tall and skinny. He's this tall, skinny black dude who apparently works HR. Like when he introduced himself, they were like, "What do you do?" And he's like, "I work in HR." <laughs> <laughs> the judges were like, "Okay." <laughs> and so then they said, "Show us what you can do." He turned around and bent himself backwards to look at them, um, and then like put his hands on the ground and did the whole crab walk oh, yeah. upside down, backwards and sideways, and was creeping out the entire audience and all the judges. And it looks fantastic. And if you've ever read any of the comics with Ragdoll in them, he's like it's exactly the shapes and forms you see Ragdoll doing in these comics. Cool. It's creepy. So yeah, that's that's why I have my DC story. Cool. <laughs> um, 
And interestingly, this is kind of part of what we talked about on our news last week about the um, the new Oscar category for popular film that we all have a problem with. <laughs> um, interestingly, Marvel Studios is going to push Black Panther for a Best Picture nomination. Good. They're basically saying, screw your popular film category. Yeah. This deserves a Best Picture. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at the story itself, take out the superhero aspects, it actually was really well written, it was well acted, it's got all the stuff that you could actually want for a best picture, and the fact of it embracing African culture the way it did, it felt more like a movement than a movie. It did, I think it's probably, to, to the best of my memory, is probably the first cinematic appearance of Afrofuturism. Because I, I can't, I've been thinking about it. I can't think of any other movies that yeah. actually feature that. Yeah. And for this to be, and it, first. it basically celebrated it. It wasn't just, oh yes, this character's from Africa, so we have to show this. Right. It, yeah. It it made a point of celebrating it all. And um, for a, a veteran Oscar campaigner, unnamed, actually noted that you want to remind voters that this wasn't just a movie; it was a phenomenon. The depth of that impact, what it meant to people, what it stood for. If Academy members didn't get it then, they need to understand it now. I agree. So, it, we'll see what happens. And, and then the Academy will point out, oh, look, no, this can go in popular film. And then Marvel will tell them once again, no, no, it can't. But, you know, <laughs> well, they can do both. They can put it in popular film. Yeah, there's no reason they can't do both. There's no reason, there's reason for it not to go to bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Will it win Best Picture? Possibly. Uh, Depending on what, what it's against, right. it will win. Yeah, the, yes. the new the pop, yeah. yeah, for sure. There's, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens, and we'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for the actual campaigning and, and see what gets said. Well, the, the thing Oscars. is with like, um, with the Oscars, for we've talked about this before, um, with Best Picture and stuff, because of who the Academy is, I would not be surprised if it doesn't get the nomination. Right. And, and the other, the interesting thing is. The Academy didn't expect the backlash it's getting for the popular film category. Yeah, right. They thought it was just going to suffice to make everyone happy for all the you know all the people that actually like these popular films. Yeah. And everyone is just like, nah, that's not going to work. Yeah. And so they're a little surprised. So you might actually hear a change from that category or the existence of it completely. Right. Um, because of course they haven't come out with what the what the uh, criteria is for it yet either. Right. But um, and in in legal news. This week, uh, we had development with the Comic-Con lawsuit that's been going on for four years. And a federal judge issued an injunction barring the organizers of Salt Lake Comic-Con from using the term Comic-Con in its name. Um, and this is the, the lawsuit against Comic-Con International, which is San Diego, it's the big one. And uh, the Salt Lake producers had petitioned the court to set aside the December 2017 jury verdict which said they couldn't use it um, and order a new trial to determine it. But the district court judge not only upheld the verdict, but issued the injunction and ordered them to pay nearly $4 million in attorney's fees. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing, it's not, it, yes, that's a lot of attorney's fees, but this has been going on for four years. And usually the loser of a suit does have to pay the fees. Yeah. That's not something new. So um, it's just the fact they actually have to do this now. Um, it had already been forced to rebrand itself as Fan X Salt Lake Comic Convention, 
Um, so now it's completely banned from using the name Comic-Con with or without a hyphen, because Comic-Con International actually uses a hyphen in between the two, or any phonetic equivalent. So using a K instead of a C, just because they, they're smart that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can't even do that. Um, they're also prohibited from incorporating the trademark in any social media or advertising in any way, but they're not required to destroy the already produced merchandise that have the offending trademark because their next show is just in a couple weeks. Yeah. Right. So at least well, they don't have to do that. If I remember right, Salt Lake started this one, didn't they? Um, yes. Salt so, Lake wanted okay. basically the... Wanted to be able to say everyone can use Comic-Con yeah. and San Diego doesn't own it. Right. Because uh, I'm thinking, there's like, there's conventions all over the place called Comic-Cons. Yes. But um, I'm wondering if this is if this is going to be a trickle down or is this one of those that if you challenge San Diego about it, they're going to have a problem with it. But if you're not trying to say we're... If, if, you're, if you're a little... They're not going to come out and look for yeah, you. Yeah, like what it comes here down in Akron, to. we have Akron Comic Con. Yes, but the, one of the problems this when this started, Salt Lake had decided they were going to call themselves a Comic Con and wanted to advertise it at San Diego. Ah, okay. They actually had a car that had um, advertising on it that said Salt Lake Comic Con that they sent to San Diego to advertise for themselves. So they, so they poked the bear. They Exactly. They <laughs> yeah. created their own problem out of this and San Diego was like, what the hell are you doing? Because then that literally looked like San Diego was cool with it if the right. advertising is right there in front of them. Right. Um, so yeah, so they kind of caused the problem to begin with and that's probably why the judge is like, uh-uh, you're, you're not getting yeah. anything. Um, so yeah, so now, for now, they're a comic convention. <laughs> We're all just going to call them Comic-Cons anyway. Yeah, right. Um, and the, other, the, the last couple stories I have are local because every once in a while we get some cool local stories around here. And one of them is related to the fact that last week one of our uh, shout-outs we had was for the Virtual Reality Studio. Yes. New Territory. Well, apparently there's a Virtual Reality Stop Motion Animation studio set to take off in Akron as well. Oh, nice. Uh, Redpoint Digital founder and University of Akron associate professor are creating a new animation studio in the Union Point uh, building on North Union. Um, Redpoint relocated to Akron from San Clemente, California a few years ago, and it produces everything from narrative films and documentaries to commercials and corporate animation and graphics. This project won an $85,000 Night Arts Challenge matching grant last year from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. Nice. And the new studio, it's operated in conjunction with the education initiative called Akronstein Labs, <laughs> which I just thought was a cool name. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be called Redpoint VR Skunk Works, a.k.a. Skunk Works for short. Um, they, they basically decided to create something that has uh, original con- uh, content and they want to include community in this. They want to try and keep the talented, creative people in Akron instead of having them move out to California to do their stuff. Nice. Um, Skunk Works team is nearing completion on its first stop-motion animation project, which is a short film titled The Cat, uh, written by uh, Red Point's writer-producer Jess Byard, based on her life and the cat that she has that wakes her up sometime between 3 and 6 a.m. and wants to eat. <laughs> so, um, and other projects include a 3D VR reimagining of the cat, um, a 3D VR adaptation of, a, of another script written by a University of Akron student, and a stop-motion documentary featuring uh, Akron musician Chuck Eierbach uh, about the production of his new album. 
Oh, oh, cool, cool. So it's it's kind of something cool and awesome that Akron is getting. Well, um, have you guys seen? This just brings up in my head. Um, have you seen the way they're doing um, previs and stuff for movies now? Uh, did you guys see the uh, any of the behind the scenes features for like um, Ready Player One? Mm-mm. No. They've actually got it now where they're actually rendering in real time when you're doing mocap on stage. Okay. So you're actually, a lot of that film was actually filmed in virtual reality. Like they, yeah. um, Spielberg would have an Oculus Rift headset on and the joystick in his hands getting his camera angles that he wanted and stuff. So he'd actually had, see what's actual, going on. Yeah, okay. He had the world built in the computer. I mean, it was a very low res, like a previs looking. But as they're doing it, it's rendering the actors in right. that. Um, so you can area. actually see instead of just seeing someone yeah. in a green outfit with balls on. When it. you're acting, when they're acting their scenes out, they can actually go back to the monitor and look at this is what I did and this is what it's going to look like. Nice. Okay. It was fantastic. You guys will have to check out those some of the features on that because it's amazing what they're doing. Cool. Uh, and and my final story is again Akron related because it's very cool news again. Uh, Ninety Akron teachers and six schools are the top winners of Ohio's STEM education honors. Awesome. Uh, this weekend, the uh, the Akron Public Schools snagged more awards for STEM education than any other school district in the state. The Ohio Academy of Science, which is a Columbus-based educational nonprofit, awarded six schools and 90 teachers in the district with the Governor's Thomas Edison Awards for Excellence in STEM Education and Student Research. And there are several criteria. It's not just a matter of, yes, they're teaching science. Um, they actually, it, it includes conducting local science fairs, qualifying two or more students for the Ohio Academy of Sciences District Science Days, having students participate in at least one science opportunity outside the classroom, um, and explaining to external STEM professionals how the school's program meets the Academy of Sciences definition of STEM education. So it's, I mean, obviously we all know that STEM is, there's been a big push for this the past few years, so the fact that that Akron, in a state that's not exactly known for its educational prowess, <laughs> um, is is the top district in the state. is pretty awesome. Awesome. Um, other top performers were, were Dayton, which had 29 teachers in three schools. Chillicothe, which had 24 teachers in four schools. And Cincinnati, 23 teachers in four schools. So interestingly, um, Columbus isn't in the top. <laughs> what? Columbus isn't really known as a tech city. Yeah, the Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's from the top down. Akron is uh, pushing for science and technology. Yeah. The University of Akron is um, mm-hmm. ranked one of the higher end schools for science and technology and engineering yeah. in the country. And, and right. a few and years it, ago, it's trickling down all the way through the public schools. It was actually around the time I moved here that they established their polymer science center at the right. school. Yeah, yeah. it was the leading is, one in the country, which is a big deal. Um, and. Uh, yeah, so the, the throughout the state, 672 teachers in 61 schools were recognized for their activities. And um, the, the other interesting thing, if you've heard anything about Akron schools recently, it's most likely because of the I Promise school that LeBron just started. Yeah. It, it actually received STEM designation. So not only is this an awesome school that is actually paying for the school supplies for kids, helping their parents get their GEDs, Offering alternate courses for adults as well, but now it has STEM designation. So there's a lot going on in Akron. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. You've got to move here. <laughs> it's a you big know, difference. There, there was a one story that came out about Denzel. What, what Denzel what? tweeted earlier this week. What? Well, yeah, Denzel. Well, okay, so so there is talk about a. Well, I'm surprised that this is going to happen, but there's talk about a third uh, Equalizer movie. But 
Denzel on the same day just happened to mention that he had never been approached for uh, a role in a Marvel or DC movie, which that's all and that's all was said. But it actually and it made me think, what who would I see him play in Marvel or DC? Don and I talked about this. We so, have these conversations have, in the morning. So now, and Don raised a good point. So f- in Marvel, there, there's a character who's called Blue Marvel. Blue Marvel. Blue Marvel, who is like, a, he's an older hero who is like super smart and basically could beat up uh, pretty much any character in the Marvel Universe and take their lunch money. He, he works alongside Captain Marvel in the Ultimates, which, I mean, they battled Galactus. Like, this is like, this, yeah. they're, they're a big group. He's a cosmic level villain. Yeah, right. character. character, exactly. And, and so, but then because of what we've seen him do in the, uh, in more of his action-y stuff, I would love to see him as Wildcat. Oh yeah, I, I think he would be perfect as Wildcat. Oh yeah, you know? that'd be awesome. I don't know if that would ever happen. Well, but now I don't know what what caused him to even tweet this, or I don't know. Maybe he's fishing. Well, see, exactly. I was gonna say they, maybe the celebs don't usually tweet something like that unless they're unless they're in line and going, you know, it'd be nice <laughs> if they asked. It's nice yeah. to be asked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the first thing that popped in my head was like a John Stewart, but he's, not, he's, not, he's too old actually for that. Yeah, he is. No. John Stewart, they need to have a younger character Unless in the role. Retired John Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> they would do it. He would totally be. Because, I mean, his, his fighting style is very. Well, at least because, I mean, well, he's a trained boxer. And, I mean, you, you've seen the. He pretty much does most of his own fight scenes. Uh, he did it in um, The Book of Eli, he's, he's done it in. Uh, the Equalizer series and pretty much all his other action stuff. So I would love to see him do that. I don't know if that's. I don't know if he's actually interested. But you don't just throw something out there just because it's Tuesday. I don't, I don't <laughs> Maybe think. you do if you're Denzel. No, like, you know, I think I, I think you know he's like I like beating people on the screen. So let's see. Maybe I can get to do some more. Maybe he has some superpowers. He's gotten that. pretty good at it lately. Okay. Yeah. So, do we have anything else before? That's, that's my slot of news. Yeah. I'm Any other news that anybody got? Well, let's get into talking some books. Books to oh, movies. Oh, no, we're going to talk about books. 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so when, when we thought about doing this, this uh, theme, I tried to come up with movies I know that are based on books, but ones that I've actually read the books. Because really, there's a lot of movies based on books, and you, you watch the movie and you're like, oh, maybe I'll read that book, and then you never end up reading the book. Um, or, you know, tons of books you've read that become movies and you're like, there's no way I'm going to watch that movie. <laughs> so, I have quite a few of those. Let me tell you, and there's then, a lot of movies that, I won't watch. And there's not, there's a um, very few books, or book to movie or movie to book adaptations that are actually done really well. Yes. Yes. That's the other thing. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times they'll take like the book and take the idea of the book and it's in a different situation. And, that, and that's, that's, okay, this is part of my thing, is... Is it more important that when you go from book to movie, that the movie really reflects the book and what's going on in the book and follows it? Or is it more important that it has the spirit of the book? You know what I mean? Like, they might change some of the characters or a little bit of the plot, but overall, it still feels like the book. And I think 
I think it depends on the book. Yeah, right. <laughs> it really, it well, depends on what's going on and yeah. the characters themselves. It really depends on. There's the book. a lot of books out there that I've read that this would be. I'd love to see this on the screen, but know that there's no possible way to put this book on that screen. Well, and there's a lot of, like when you get into certain series or something, you're like, this would be awesome. I can picture it completely, and then you're like, but who would you cast? No, this wouldn't work, and this wouldn't work, mm-hmm. and I would hate anyone they cast in the role. And mm-hmm. that happens to me all the time. Right. Just like, and then when the movie comes out, when, when they do a movie or something, you're like, no, that, no, what'd you do? No. Right. <laughs> yeah, they turn the com- comedian character into a vampire, and they're just... Yeah, like, the, what the hell are you doing? Like, quite honestly, Ready Player One, I didn't like the casting. Yeah. And that kind of messed up part of the movie for me, aside from the fact that I didn't like the movie. But... Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the casting I think threw me off for that probably because they showed you who it was so yeah. far ahead of time right that just kind of ruined the surprise especially the basis of that book being people in the real world plus people having their avatars you didn't want to know who the real world versions yeah. were right and that I think that screwed it up that the main one there they should have left H be a total surprise yes so let us know who the, that that actress was in the movie. But don't say who it is. No, exactly. And, People who read the book would know and, already. And like so many times, like you have all these superhero movies where they they tell you who the cast is, but they don't let anyone, especially IMDb, know who these people are playing mm-hmm. because they don't want to let stuff yeah. out. No, no role. They should have done something like that. <laughs> right. And but you know because oh it's just a sci-fi movie and no one's gonna know. Well, they also well, they put that the, right on the poster. Yeah. Like exactly. they showed the the actor right next to the avatar. So yeah, yeah that kind of. Yeah. But go on, go, go listen to our other episode about that movie because we have thoughts on the review. <laughs> but, but one of the things I was thinking of was, you know, we do have some series that obviously are hugely successful in both books and movies, one of them being Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there are some movies that uh, Potter fans like more than others. Like, I, I, I'll admit, I'm not, I'm not a Harry Potter person, so I haven't seen all the movies. I've only read a couple of the books. Um, but I did hear that Azkaban is the one that seems to get under the skin of most Potter fans. Because it's awful! <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the one that they started changing everything. Ah, okay. I, I found that if you really liked movies one and two, you really hated number three. And if you weren't a big fan of um, movies one and two, then you really liked number three. Ah, okay. So okay. there's kind of a little divide there. Too. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, see, then, but, like, with the casting, it seemed like people didn't have a huge problem with the casting for Harry Potter mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of the way everything seemed to work. Right. And, that, and that was a lot of casting to do, too. I mean, it's not like they just had a couple of characters. You know, they, had, they had quite a, a bit to do. And then the other one um, was Lord of the Rings. Yes. Because um, you had... And that that's a series that followed the books so closely. Yeah. Yes, it did. Yes. A little bit out of order. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And that's the other thing. Sometimes the movies do things a little out of order just to make more sense for the movie itself than the way the book is. Yeah, but that's, that's like the, one of the few book-to-movie that I like better with the movie because I right. don't like Tolkien. <laughs> and I, I'm not a fan of reading Tolkien either. No, I mean, I just, just his... It, it's it gets to points where it feels like you're reading the Bible because this person's the son of this and this and this yeah, and this. Yeah. And this. Then, you know, exactly. if, if someone wants to know what we're talking about, read the Silmarillion. Oh God, don't. Read the Wikipedia entry on yeah. the Silmarillion. Well, put it this way: I read the Silmarillion. I read the Hobbit. The Hobbit yeah. is like 300 pages, yeah. and it took me about three weeks to read it. Right. Silmarillion is 180 pages. It took me six months. <laughs> 
I, yeah. It's it's uh, yeah. Oh, it's, there's some awesome stories in it. It's just a lot of names, a lot of what's yes. doing this, and then they change the names in the middle of the story and don't tell you that they changed their names. Right. <laughs> that always helps. That really helps. Um, so yeah, so that you have a series that's very close to the books and that did very well, but the movies themselves are just so like the movies were good. Yeah. But there's just so much of them. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only major. That's one of the major problems with Tolkien that um, he puts so much. He puts so much effort in building this world and showing what is happening. I mean, he wrote entire languages for dwarves yes. and elves and things. Right. And um, there's so much in there that in order to make a book, and they left parts of the books out. Yes. And they still ended up with three three hour movies. Yes. <laughs> and they split the Hobbit into two movies. Yeah. And they, they, I, don't, I don't think <laughs> three, they three three. Yeah, and, and really, no part in the movie didn't feel like, oh, they were stretching this to make it. Like, some right. movies that go, go that long, like the classic one, Star Trek the movie. Yeah. There's parts that it feels like they stretched that to try right. to make it even bigger just because they, they wanted to make it look pretty. The Lord of the Rings, something's happening at all times. So yes. it's not like he tried to stretch it. It's just he took what parts of the story he could out of it and still left the story it's, there. It's basically kind <laughs> of like taking any Shakespearean play and putting all of it on screen. They yes. Did, they did that with Hamlet once. <laughs> That's oh true. Oh my god. <laughs> That's true. I like Shakespeare, but oh my god. <laughs> so, and the, the other one I, I thought of as in terms of series wise, more like because of the author himself, is Stephen King movies. This is the most hit and miss movies you will ever get. Ever. It's Stephen yeah. King movies. Ever. Um, there are some seriously crappy ones, and, and we all know that. Um, and there are some really good ones. Like, Misery is probably the best book to movie translation, I think, for Stephen King. Like, I love the book, yeah. and Kathy Bates was like an inspired bit of casting right. for that yes. movie. Because she was known as just like a good, she was a good person when she did all her acting pr prior to that. Like, you didn't see her as evil at all. And, you know, since then, she's been on American Horror Story. Right. So, <laughs> but, and, and um, James Caan as the author in that. Like, mm -hmm. they, they did really good, and, and it's, a, it's almost a difficult book to film because it's really just about these two people at all times. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the fact that they pulled it off so well, um, I think that's good. Like, when I was younger, I liked Pet Cemetery. I would not watch it again now <laughs> because I know I would see those effects and go, oh my god, that's crap. Um, and the one, the most recent one that really gets people, and I have not read the books, uh, is Dark Tower. Yeah. Fans of the books have hated this movie, and I can understand why. Like, I read about what their problem was with it, and the fact was the movie had almost nothing to do with the book. Mm -hmm. They changed everything. They made the characters too different. They had the wrong people involved. It just well, wasn't... They just wanted the names and... and what I think was a good excuse to put Idris Elba in a trench coat, but yeah. uh, well, I mean that's what that's what they did with the Running Man. Like I, I, that was the case where I saw the movies before I read the book, mm -hmm. and so no, I saw the movie and I liked it, and I I read the book and I loved the book even more. And once I was done, I read, that was like one of the books I read like within twelve hours. Yeah. Like I stayed up all night, and I didn't understand why they didn't take that book. And put it on the screen, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and the, the interesting thing is, with, with Stephen King, I think it's almost the further away he gets from standard drama, the worse the movies will be. Yes. Because really, Misery was good. Green Mile was great. I've and heard that was, yeah, that I've was heard the series that. of novellas he had. And um, 
Stand By Me, that's another one that's good. And Shawshank Redemption, I mean, based on his short stories. Like, those are good, and those are a little more straight drama yeah. with, I guess you could say, human horror involved more than anything, not not the crazy stuff you get in Scary situations. Yeah, exactly. And, like, the most recent It was okay. Um, and they're splitting it into two movies, so it's really the, only the first half of the book. Um, but it, again, it's it, it's more likely to go off the rails well, when it gets into his weird. I think stuff. Stephen King, uh, what you could, you can almost say, pro- part of the problem and the difficulty of doing a good movie out of Stephen King is a similar idea of what you have Tolkien. There is so much there because he writes a thousand to fifteen hundred yes. page books. How are you going to put that in a two hour movie? Yeah, well, see, the problem with Stephen King is though his books should not be that long. <laughs> like, unlike, unlike, that book is description. Unlike oh, Tolkien, yeah. who actually writes stuff that a lot of people want to read, yeah. Stephen yeah. King's books can be cut down to two thirds of their size and still have everything you need. You know, so and and over the years, he's gotten worse with how well, long they are. And you know why he keeps doing that? Because people keep reading them. Exactly. What's <laughs> <laughs> well, he now like the the with the Bachman books? At least with Running Man. Running Man's a Fairly short book. Bachman, he did short books, novellas, short stories, and so that one, that that one wasn't too bad. Now I did read The Stand, That's and there were part, <laughs> there were parts of The Stand that were like phenomenal, and there were parts I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. But, yeah. but did you read the uncut version? Yes. 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 The really super long. Yeah. One. I think that was one I read because I, I'm one of those people like, well, if I'm reading, I'm just going to keep reading. Right. Unabridged. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's painful and it not sounds like, So it sounds like he's a writer in the way anime um, artists are where in something like a Dragon Ball Z, you can have an entire season of six episodes, six to ten episodes, it's all one ten minute battle. Yeah, there you go. That's and it's just watching that character. That's Stephen King is. <laughs> Stephen King and Anne Rice. Or you, you have the one where the machines come to life the, from the short story that was half a page long. Maximum Overdrive. Yeah, you yeah. had a two hour movie out of it. Okay, that was kind of a crappy movie, but I still liked it. I can see it. I've seen parts of it. <laughs> it had Emilio Estevez. It had that crazy truck with the big Well, that's, yeah. that one goes to what we were saying at the beginning of a movie that has the spirit of yeah. the original story. Yes. Lawnmower Man, don't watch it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, that's, uh, Total Recall was that way. Yes. Total Recall, the original story was not very long. Yeah. And no. it uh, never leaves Earth at all. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it just depends who wants to write these things. Exactly. Uh, but into, into other movies, um, ones on my list anyway, I had Never Ending Story, which is one of my favorites. And who I wrote that? Um, it, it was, uh, he's German, I forget his name. Yeah. It was, I think, um, but. Michael something. Yeah. Um, but it was. Uh, the, the movie came out in 1984. The book is a really cool read, and it's got a lot of a lot more of the imagination element than the movie has. Um, and it's it actually has two different color fonts in the book because if you remember the movie, you go between real world and fantasy world a lot. Mm-hmm. In the book, it does that too, and it depends on the color of font you're reading as to whether you're real world or fantasy. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have to tell you every time; it's just you know based on the color. I think it's red and blue are the colors in the in the book. Um, interestingly, in 84, this was the most expensive film at the time produced outside of the U.S. and the Soviet Union, and it was made for an estimated $27 million. Wow. wow. <laughs> Where did they film that at? Um, it was, it was in Europe, it was in Europe um, and I know there's actually a museum in Germany that has all the props that you can visit. Ah. And is you Falcor can, there? You can sit on Falcor and get a picture on oh, Falcor. Nice. <laughs> well, um, now how close was that to the original book? Well, movie? the thing is... A lot of the um, fantasy elements 
from the book are are missing or different, mostly because they didn't have the money yeah. for it. Um, now, was the um, the TV miniseries actually closer? Because Hallmark Channel actually did, a, I think, a six-part miniseries. I didn't watch that because okay. it was on Hallmark Channel. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was Hallmark or not. I don't even have the DVDs. I just, I just, I, yeah, I yeah. just don't watch it. We have the DVDs at Hallmark. Um, but, like, certain things that, that were almost unnecessary to change, like... Um, in the book, Falkor is and actually looks like a dragon. He doesn't look like this furry dog thing that they created. Hmm. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> but, and, um, well, and, and Atreyu has like blue hair and green skin. I can understand not giving him green skin, but he kind of had blue hair. I mean, it's just like, it's little things that weren't difficult to do. Um, and Artax, his horse, can talk. Which makes a big difference when he dies. Yeah. Um, and yeah. this is not a spoiler, because if you haven't seen the movie yet, then that's not my fault. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the biggest difference is that death of Artax. That's, that's probably the biggest difference between the book and the film, because um, in the film, especially if you see this as a kid, the death of that horse is the most heart-wrenching thing you've ever seen in your life. It's worse than Bambi's mother getting killed, okay? Um, in the book, though, it's very... It's a conversation between Atreyu and Artax because the horse can talk, and the, the horse is simply chosen to die, and Atreyu barely cares. Like it's it's a completely different take on the character, mm-hmm. and it has so it has a different feel in the movie. Um, interestingly, the author grew to despise the, the the production and this adaptation, and he actually tried to cease production before filming ended. <laughs> um, he lost, obviously. <laughs> but uh, it's for its time, it was still a fun movie and good yeah. to watch. And it, to me, it did have the spirit of the book, even though it, it messed up a couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, one that was completely different from the book, but almost like a standalone movie that more recently was World War Z. Yeah. Now, in, in the book World War Z by Max Brooks... Um, You've got a lot of interviews and little first-person accounts of the survivors of a zombie apocalypse from years earlier. They somehow decided they should turn this into a movie starring Brad Pitt searching for the source of a zombie apocalypse as it's happening. Yeah. (laughs) These things have nothing to do with each other at all. Um, it, It has a completely different tone. Like, the book is kind of political satire like it the way it it talks about this zombie apocalypse and all this sort of thing and and talks to the people and the movie is just basically a zombie film yeah. with like really yeah. fast zombies too they're really fast they're yeah. the, and really it, fast the most zombies i've ever seen on screen anywhere yeah <laughs> yes yes just like armies and, and armies masses. of thousands of zombies and you know and it was just it was just to have brad pitness on the movie Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. The movie, so, but the movie itself was kind of fun if you want to see that. It was, yeah, it was, but it was completely yeah. sad. Like, there was no reason to call it World War Z. It was. No reason at all. No. Like, they, they, it was their own thing, it was their own plot, no reason to call it. Um, then there's Fight Club. I put that on my list because oh. I love Fight Club. <laughs> Ninja. Ninja. Yeah, but we're not allowed to talk about it. And, that's true. <laughs> nice. So, moving on. <laughs> Mayhem rules directly from the book okay. into the movie. They didn't change them. They came directly from the Planet mm-hmm. book. Um, same characters. Uh, and Tyler Durden has basically become a cultural icon in, in some areas at this point. Like, you see people using his name online all the time and all yeah. this stuff. Like, it's... You see... I don't know why. Like, to me, he's just like... 
he's an ass. I don't know. It's just, but it, it's got a great little twist. The fact that this is basically a second personality by the time you get to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they were able to show that on screen is actually having two people yeah. as if he's there all the time. Um, again, it's a Brad Pitt movie, uh, but, but it's Edward Norton and Brad Pitt. Um, and then, you know, at the end, you realize that Brad Pitt, Tyler Durden character, was all in his head the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the the end differs from the book um, because in the film, the the main character is reunited with his girlfriend, and he seems to have gotten rid of Tyler out of his head, and everything seems okay. In the book, um, now they both follow that the main character has shot himself. Um, but in the book, when he wakes up from the shooting, he thinks he's in heaven. He's in a psych ward. Uh. So it's a totally different take on how things end. And in the book, you're really not sure that he's gotten rid of Tyler at all. So there is a different feel. But Fight Club, the movie, definitely had the feel of a Chuck Palahniuk book. If you've ever read any of his other books, they're very gritty. They're very psychologically odd. I don't know how else to describe it. Okay. Um, he, he doesn't write happy stories. He does not. He doesn't. He has, he has messed up broken people in all of his stories. Yes. And things never go right. Mm-hmm. But he's such a great writer and this movie reflected his writing really well. Okay. Um, now one that we're all familiar with, Willy Wonka slash Charlie and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. <laughs> because there were two films out of this one. Um, the 1971 version is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory with Gene Wilder, who did probably the most iconic role ever as Willy Wonka. And then the 2005 and, version. Yeah, and the original one was both one of the awesome, most awesome, fantastical, happy films of all time and one of the creepiest, scariest films of all time. Yes. In the same movie. Yes. And and that's that's kind of the the difference between the 71 version and the 2005 version um, is the creepiness. In... Interestingly, um, Roald Dahl actually wrote the screenplay for Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, but then ended up disliking the film so much, he withheld all rights to sequels. <laughs> so he, he wrote the thing and then hated it. Um, now, the, I, I will say that uh, in both versions, Oompa Loompas are not what you see in the movie. No. That's not what they're like. They're, they're more like... Pygmy natives, like they're they're more like just native, little native people. I don't know, tropical natives. I think is how they're described in the book. Right. They're not these orange things that dance around and sing, and definitely not in the in the 2005 version where they're all the same person. Mm-hmm. That 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 made that creepy. Yeah, I still gotta see that one. I've, seen, I've heard so many things back and forth that I'm not actually trying to sit down and watch it. Yet. Yeah. Um, now. The thing is about the 1971 version, most people love that just in general and definitely prefer it to the 2005 because it does capture the spirit of the book. It wasn't able to do a lot of the creative, imaginative kind of stuff because of the effects at the time. You just couldn't. I mean, you were able to do that really weird, creepy, almost tunnel of love thing going yeah. on. Uh, but that was like the extent of the effects. You couldn't do much more than that. Like well, flashing lights the, the reason a lot of the movies like that hold up now, they still look good now, is because they didn't do a lot of visual effects. It was a lot of, everything was there. They built the sets, and what you saw in that giant um, room with the world of chocolate in it, that yes. was actually built. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. And it, it just kind of, it all fit, and like, just imagining yourself there. And like you said, it it felt creepy. It had, it had this happy thing going on, but it also had this complete creepy undertone that that was lost in the new movie. And so you got that tunnel of love scene thing. Willy Wonka seemed a little off, but he was still, he was this happy chocolate maker. Yes. And then you see him in the tunnel, and it's like, wait a minute. What is he doing now? And he became a drug dealer. Like, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. what happened to that dude? Um, but the, the interesting thing, in the newer movie, the images you see on screen, the stuff you see, is a lot more faithful to the descriptions and illustrations in the book. Okay. Because they were able to do that. Yeah. Um, however, Johnny Depp's portrayal of Willy Wonka... No. The problem is Johnny Depp has gotten to the point that now that he plays Johnny Depp. Well, the thing is, no, he's definitely not playing Johnny Depp. No? There's, there's, he, wow. No. He's definitely not. But, like, you knew it was going to be him because it's a Tim Burton movie. So <laughs> it was going to have Johnny Depp. But they gave him a backstory. There's no backstory to Willy Wonka. You don't do that to Willy Wonka. <laughs> you didn't need to know about his dad being a dentist and all this other crap. Mm -hmm. Like, that never goes well. <laughs> but, so they gave him this backstory that was completely unnecessary and so that kind of ruined it um, and some of the updates didn't work either like instead of TV Mike he was video game addicted Mike like I don't know what his name, what they used his, his name as but he was addicted to video games instead of watching TV all the time or something and it just didn't feel right and like Violet had a stage mom instead of just being like a Jabberjaw mm. um, so there are little things that were unnecessary and, and, that, but, and, and because it's Tim Burton it's an obviously dark movie. Yeah. And that took away the creepiness because it was all there on the screen. It didn't feel like you had Wonka's weird creepiness there aside from the way Johnny Depp looked. Um, but the, so I just watch the 71 version. Don't watch the new version like ever. Um, well, I need to sit and watch just to have seen it. Yeah, Other okay. Fine, fine. And squirrels. Oh, squirrels in the new version. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> squirrels. They'll get ya. Um, you don't even need Squirrel Girl around. They'll get ya. Um, a couple of the other ones on my list are things like uh, A Clockwork Orange, which changed the ending from the book, but did relatively okay um, with uh, the way it was. Although Anthony Burgess didn't like the way things looked. Um, Battlefield Earth is one of the horrible ones that we probably shouldn't talk about because no one should actually watch that movie, mm -hmm. let alone read that book. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, the, you might want to watch a clip from it just to see how horrible the costumes are and the, the acting and the cinematography and everything. There's nothing good about this movie. It has 3% on Rotten Tomatoes. Three. That's worse than Fantastic Four. Okay? That tells you something. <laughs> That's how bad it is. Um, one of the others that, that was kind of bad uh, was The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes. Agreed. Because you can't, you can't put Douglas Adams on the big screen like that. It just... Well, certain of, things you can't. Like Dirk Gently, the TV yeah. show, that works. He, wrote, he's, he actually started writing it. Yes. He had three quarters of that. He, he did, he yeah. He co-wrote the screenplay, and it just... You, it, that's not a book you can put on the screen. Well, it's, well, it's hard to understand it if you put it, because there's so much stuff going on that it has nothing to do yes. with the actual story of the book. Yes. Every stage of its life, it has changed. It yes. started off as a radio show. Yep. And then when he changed it a bit when it became when it went to TV. And then it changed a bit more when it went to book. Yep. And then it changed again when he rewrote the screenplay, re rewrote the audio play for the radio. 
and then for the movie, he changed it a bit yes. more. Mm-hmm. So every time it's changed to the point where it's a different entity. So he's everywhere the, so, so he's the British George Lucas. Kind of with, with that only with that particular property right. though. Um, and and the thing is it just his writing style in, in the book though, yeah. because of all those asides and all those little bit it just doesn't translate because that's where all the funny stuff is in the yeah. book. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it just does not translate to the screen and you can't there are certain things that just don't work when you try to show them on the screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like a, a lot of the characters and stuff, it just doesn't work very well. And I mean, the, the one thing they did do was they cast the movie really well. Yeah. Like, Martin Freeman, yeah. that's Arthur Dent. Like, he just, yeah. <laughs> unquestionably yeah. the everyman. He's out there, everyman, totally confused about what's going on. He's yes. going, I gotta, do, I gotta do this? Why am I doing I Okay, I'm like, doing this? Why? I feel like Martin Freeman's in that in everything he does. He's confused yeah. about what's going on. <laughs> the, guy, the actor they had to play, Zephod Beelbrot, that, that was awesome. Yes. Yes, I mean, and... um. Alan Rickman Alan was the voice, was the voice of Marvin. You can't go wrong having this like oh. depressed, paranoid android voiced by Alan Rickman. That was that would be that was that's what made the movie. For yes, me. that was it was a brilliant casting, but, but it yeah. just didn't work to put it on the. It, it was an okay movie. Put it that way, it was okay, but it just didn't really reflect. But if you read the book, the book then it yeah, you'd be, you, really you're disappointed if you read the book. Correct. Mm-hmm. So, you know, listen to the radio show instead. Yeah, the radio and all five parts have been made into the yes. made into radio, so Exactly. So so listen yes, to Yes, all five parts of the increasingly inaccurately titled Hitchhiker's trilogy. Yes. yes. Well technically it's six parts, but they never they never did the sixth part from radio because Douglas Adams didn't write it. Right. Right. That's right. So um I don't know, what else do you have? Oh well, um actually the first two I was thinking about was um the Three Musketeers and The Count of Monte Cristo. Both of these, honestly, are completely different. To me, the books are completely different than any iteration that we've gotten on the big screen. For one thing, with Three Musketeers, the movie is just the first half of the book. Like, there's Which a, movie? There's been like seven of them. Uh, every one of them. Every, every one of them, because there's complete, there's a whole, uh, pretty much a whole, like, uh, almost like a spy thing that's going on that takes place in the whole second half of the book and you never see it in any version that I've seen I don't even think Wishbone touched on the second half I don't even think Wishbone touched on the second half that's the authority Wishbone it pretty much felt like that like I was reading this and by the time I get to half of the book and I'm just like wait this is like where the movie usually ends and now that I got half a book left and uh, so, but and the other thing, there's a lot of sex in this book. I was, I, I was surprised, you know. Like, yeah, we're supposed to touch on that. Yeah, you know, I, I was surprised at that. I'm like, okay, I understand. It's it's a classic, you know, and I, maybe I should have figured that because it's French. But yeah, there was a lot. Okay, but I don't know. Lady Miss was French too. And there was not a lot of sex in that. Yeah, there, there was a lot. Yeah, yeah and pe- apparently the French couldn't keep it in their pants anywhere. There, there was there was duels and fighting and sex. That's pretty much it. Oh, it's fine. All right. Which is fine, you know. But then, like, I read... Uh, I finally got around to reading uh, The Count of Monte Cristo after seeing the uh, guy... The movie with Guy Pierce, The version with Guy Pierce, And completely different movie because this verse, like, the book is pure revenge. Like, there's maybe one... 
sword fight in the whole book. Like in the movie, when you watch There's it, a like lot sword, of sword fights. fights in the movie. Yeah, they 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 just they peppered those in. Like the the revenge in the book is purely like. Uh, Monte, Mon, I think his name's Montez, the guy who becomes the Count. He he manages to craft uh, his revenge so that everybody is pretty much the author of their own undoing. And by the time it's all said and done, you're just like, like he's not. He almost becomes like a dislikable character at that point because he is so consumed by revenge. And it's all, by the time it's all said and done. Everybody who's done him wrong, he's gotten him back, and that's it. That, that's pretty much how it ends. Like he he gets no real satisfaction because that was his reason for getting out but of prison. But they can have a movie just end. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much how it was. It, 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 but the thing is, I almost want to go back and watch it again, or go back and read it again because I think maybe I was in a different place the first time I read it, and I just want to see. So. Um, I also have Starship Troopers. Now, that one, that book, I love that book, and I love the movie. Yeah, like the book is, uh, no, it's it's sci-fi, but it's fifty sci-fi, and and um, the it's a very, very it's very political. Is it's a very political book. Now, the thing is, the movie kind of touches on it a little bit, but not nearly as deeply yeah. as it is in the book. Yeah, Heinlein in the book actually is. It's almost like he's trying to say. This is what the way I see society will work if we do this. Right. Like like for him, like uh in in this version of his future, uh you you had to um have some type of government or military service to get franchised. And fran to be franchised mean you were able to own land, you were able to vote. And so there there was all these other there was all these little subtext of the people who were franchised and and the disenfranchised. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, pretty much, it, yeah, people who did were not citizens really weren't treated um, any differently as much as just you didn't have the same rights. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't like they were um, treated as second class citizens or anything. It's just you could still um, live a happy, fulfilled life. And you, you just had, can't vote. You and, can't. And, and you had space force. Y- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's the inspiration, you know, it's the inspiration. They want, they, there's big bugs out there; they gotta fight. Yeah, but you know what? Let's have power armors. At least they have power armor. We we don't even have power armor. Well, you have to establish space force first. Then we should have the power. I wish they had the power armor in the movie. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. remember the difference between drops in the movie and drops in the book. In the in the movie, they do drop ships with whole squadrons in the ship that drops out, and everybody runs out the back like you see stormtroopers or anything else. Right. In the movie, each of them had their own pod. Yeah, that dropped and it had power armor inside of it. So yes. when your squad landed, you may be set seven guys across a mile, and you're working towards a thing, bouncing, jumping hundreds of feet at a time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Because it was almost like, yeah. Because you they were in the, like the they're loaded. Pod, like, yeah. Like, they described it. It sounded like you're in a rail gun, and you're, all the pods are linked up. So the first guy fires, and you're just waiting. You're hearing the thump, waiting for your time to get shot. Oh, okay. <laughs> so now the so. Uh, I had to throw out there the triple the the movie adapted, or the movie novelization of Triple X only because <laughs> now the thing he told was me doing this. the thing was like as I read this book like it, it did a little bit it gave a little bit of backstory of course to the characters and then explained I'm like why is this guy a dead shot why is he able to do all this stuff but the thing was he was a gamer so apparently 
he loved first person shooters and his ability to be like a marksman in real life was because he was so good at Call of Duty. <laughs> and, I'm like, and I'm like, okay, like the, the writer was willing to be able to go a little bit deeper and give a little bit more backstory as to, you know, this person's motivations for why they so were actually willing to work. This for was it. from the first movie. From the first movie. This is so. This we're picturing Vin Diesel. Yeah. Okay. Right. Now, like, I, I didn't bother. <laughs> to clarify this. I didn't bother anything beyond that, but. Oh, the, the other movies weren't intriguing enough to read the books. I, I don't know if they actually bothered, to be honest with you. But then, uh, let's go to like, well, you know, the Bond movies. So those oh, yeah. are a prime example of. Uh, spirit of the character. Book movie. Yeah. So, you know, and they say spirit of character, but see, here's the thing. I made the mistake of reading a Bond novel, having watched years and years of Bond movies, and it ruined all the movies for me. Until we got, actually, Timothy Dalton, and then once we got um, uh, Daniel, Craig. Daniel Craig. Any other Bond beyond that, except for, except for, um, yeah, uh, Ian Fleming, Ian Fleming wrote the book. Sean Sean Con- except for Sean Connery, only because Sean Connery was the first. But other than that, I really can't tolerate other Bonds. Uh, the thing is, the character in the book is so much different. Like, the character in the book is closer, pretty much Daniel Craig's version of Bond. His portrayal is pretty much how he is in the book. Um, maybe a little bit of a womanizer nothing not as much as you see with Roger Moore you know that yeah. sort of thing but Bond is definitely more about the mission and you don't have all the gadgets you have some gadgets but it's not as many as you get in the book in the movies and well it's like the movies now have the more realistic yeah, gadgets right, it's right. not like in the 60s and 70s when they were so out there well, you know, the, where they really ran away with it was with Pierce Brosnan which I love those movies because it felt almost like a science fiction bond right yeah. <laughs> right and, uh, and it's fun to watch but I just kind of I don't know when, once I get, once I saw Casino Royale on the big screen I'm just like the new Casino Royale, yeah, not the, new the original. Oh, yeah, well, the original was not original, part of the series. The original, they made a comedy. Yeah, was right. used the name Casino Royale. Right. They said that one actually was made for TV. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, there technically there's two TV versions. There was another version that was by CBS Theater or something back in the late '50s, not long after the first uh, Casino Royale came out, and that uh, for, uh, the, uh, the novel was released rather, and that version. Bond was an American, uh, and um, Felix Leiter was MI6, and they reduced it to like one hour. I've never seen that, but that's the same. But it was was treated more like uh, a spy show movie type of thing as opposed to uh, the comedy with... um, so it was at least a little closer to the film. Right, yeah. Peter Sellers, I think, was actually Bond in that Yeah. So... um, so then, um, from there, uh, there was another one that was like a YA movie that fairly close uh, adaptation to the book was Stormbreaker, which was like the first Alex Ryder book. Yeah. Um, now, we're looking at a new Alex Ryder TV series, yeah. I guess. Um, and I really enjoyed the movie. I, like, I really enjoyed the book. I was surprised for it to be YA that there was so much violence in it. <laughs> but it was really well written. Um, Those well, kids can take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Hunger 
was white A. Yeah, but now this this made Hunger Games look like nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I mean, like, yeah, it, 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 was, it was pretty intense. But um, I was surprised that uh, at the quality of the writing, and I'll be honest with you, like knowing that it was YA, I think I read it because of a recommendation, and I was pulled into it immediate, uh, automatically. Just really liked the character. Um, and they, for it to be a British novel, and I think maybe Brits just kind of corner the market when it comes to spy fiction, anyway. <laughs> but um, from that to uh, to the to at least to the Alex Ryder movie, that was really good. Now there was Agent Cody Banks, which was the American version. I haven't we seen any of those. We don't need to talk about that. We're not talking about it. It's got a little Malcolm in the middle in it, right? And, so uh, <laughs> no, and then. I also have the novelization of The Adventures of Book Rubanzai. Well, see, this is, that's the important one. He has to yeah, close with it. Save that one for last. With it. Now, I will say, honestly, that book was my first real introduction to pulp. Because this book... And the movie came out first. The movie came out first. But uh, the, 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 the people who did the movie created this whole world. So that's the reason why, like, as you watch the movie, you, you, you hear them mentioning little asides and you're you know you feel like it's just a throwaway line but it may be but like when you read the book that little throwaway line leads to something else uh like the watermelon yeah the watermelon and um <laughs> just watch the movie again look for the watermelon and, and, and they give they do give you an explanation for the watermelon exactly the see book. then you have so. to read the book <laughs> and, and, and uh and so you know along with the history of Hanoi Zan and Buckaroo and his parents and all the stuff that they weren't able to really get into in the movie. Uh, plus the, well, the, the, original, the comics give you more than that as well? Yeah, yeah the comics go really even more. So. The alternate open for the movie gives you a lot more about Henry John and his parents. It, it, it touches on it. it. It touches on it. And then once you you find out the or you even get the origin of the reason why Hanoi was going after his parents and the whole back and forth. And um, and it also references other adventures. So, like, as you read this, it makes you think that there are other Buckaroo Banzai novels out there. Which well, the movie did that, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. at the end, it was yeah. going to return. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and you, although you can read the script online, they do have the script for, uh, for Buckaroo Banzai uh, versus the World Crime League. So. Cool. But, yeah, so those are, those are uh, the ones on my list. Okay. Well, do you have any on your list, the, for this, Vicky? No, I didn't do any research. Okay. <laughs> well, no, she, we had, um, though we do have the Shadowhunter series that um, mm-hmm. became the Mortal Instruments movie. Right. Which, um, the movie obviously left stuff out because the, it's another one where a series, there's a lot of stuff in these books you really couldn't make into a two-hour movie. And, and the other thing is when, you take, when they try to take a series and make it into a single movie... That yeah. never works. And, the, and, of course, they try the single movie because they can't... They can't basically commit to one movie because they'll have a sequel if they don't know that it'll be good enough to yeah. get a sequel. Well, see, so that's the whole problem is with the movie is they never had enough um, faith in it to even give it a chance. Right. Yeah, there was like very little marketing or anything else oh, that yeah. was put out. Was it wasn't it like July or January or February? I mean, was, yeah. Was it the marketing? It was just here. Yeah, it, exactly. It, it, they could have done so much better. It's, it's one of those ones where you, you actually are surprised when you see that it's out, and then it's suddenly gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the, the, what, what would be really cool to see, though, is um, if you read Sandra Clare's stuff, they have, there's, what, seven Mortal Instruments books? More than that. 
What is it? There's like it's three trilogies or something like that now. Mm-hmm. But if you go to the Clockwork Angel series, which is the part of the same world, but you go back a hundred years and it's basically a steampunk series. I read the first in the one. same world. It's yeah. the Victorian. Then it'd be interesting to see now that Shadowhunters has actually had a pretty good run on um, on Freeform. Maybe have someone go back and look at those or something. Yeah. So um, I won't give it enough trust, and I won't even let it. Yeah. Do what it should be doing anyways. It's the only problem with the series. Yeah, it's almost. It felt almost like the Mortal Instruments. The movie was made. Because, um, and like many of the other ones that have been re- made recently, that because Hunger Games did so well, Hunger what Hunger other YA novels can we grab the yeah, that's to make a series of the Harry Potter, Twilight, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah. They try to make it too similar to the other movie that's already successful and forget about where yeah. it came from and why the book was good to begin with. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get um, wrap this up, you guys are here to talk, too. You're part of the... Uh, <laughs> what books do you guys... Yeah, did do you, you enjoy favorite movies, movies and books? books? Well, I mean, my favorite is not was not made into a movie. It was made into a TV series, and it was made into an excellent TV series on Stars. So I love the Outlander series, and that is a series that if they had made a movie into it or made it into a movie, it would not have worked because there's right. just so much going on and so much is important to the story. So making it into a TV series made a whole lot more sense, mm-hmm. right? That's what they've been doing a lot more now too, especially with the cable stations being willing. To have to put money into a decent series, like with American Gods, they did the same thing. Yeah. Like, there's no way that could have been just a movie. Especially has how much they've changed into with the plot yeah. and rearranged things. Exactly. You couldn't do that all in two hours. No. Well, I mean, it, it, that's like what they did with the strain. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that, but they they didn't try to. Uh, expanded beyond, I think it was two books, yeah. I think it is. They, it was a dedicated series and it's done, you know. Yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. Well, any, any other ones out there, guys? I have a least favorite. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes. A little closer to the microphone since I have a little bit of laryngitis. Uh, my least favorite book um, to movie is uh, the movie Free Jack. Which means oh. this is the second shout out to Emilio Estevez. <laughs> <laughs> so that has to be some kind of a record. Yeah, um, hey, I just watched him last week. I watched Young Guns again. Oh, there he is. Uh, see, he's he's, he's, he's like getting back into the to, to the uh, cultural subconsciousness. But uh-huh. he, uh, yeah, uh, with Mick Jagger. Yes, I, I paid oh. money to see that. In the so theater. did I. Oh so my god. god. <laughs> Uh, the book is Immortality Inc. by Robert Sheckley that okay. won the Hugo okay. right. back in I think '57 or '58. Brilliant book. Uh, nothing remotely <laughs> made it to that movie. <laughs> nothing. Well, it's because that was about the same time that Johnny Mnemonic had come out, right? So yeah. So they were like, yeah, they were. Yeah. yeah. So, so they've been playing with uh, different ideas for that screenplay for a while, and I'm just excited because. Robert Sheckley made some money off it. That was like the big thing. It's like, you know, Bob's getting paid. Um, But they actually did a better job turning uh, one of the scenes into uh, a scene in the pilot then of Futurama. So if Futurama did a better job turning the book into a visual show, I think that kind of says a lot for Free Jack. How about about the Rat Burgers? That's still stuck in my head. Like uh, that's why that's why you don't want the future because of Rat Burgers. Rat Burgers. (laughs) Yeah, that was that made it into two movies because it was in um, Demolition Man also. 
Yeah. 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 See, that's, that's the future. We're all looking forward to rat burgers. Yes. Yeah. We'll be in the subway hunting the rats down. So we can have a nice yes. Yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to know that, that I, I don't have to carry that burden alone because, yeah, that movie. I probably won the one of the first movies I walked out mad. <laughs> I think. But not the last. Not the last. <laughs> not still not nearly as mad as I was when I walked out of Batman and Robin. And I did and I, and I saw that movie for free. <laughs> I wanted my money back. <laughs> still want my money back. But That's funny. no. God, free Jack. Ugh. <laughs> well, we're getting we're getting close to the end here. Is there any any other books and movies out there that you guys want to talk about? Anything? No, we're good. No, no, no. Okay. Well, we're in a good spot anyway. Um, I want to thank the Rubber City Book Posse for hanging out with us today. Hopefully, you guys will come back last Saturday of every month. Um, or you can come see us at the Outpost on yeah. any Sunday. Any given Sunday. Well, with that. Um, Geeksters, what did you think about, um, what was your favorite movies that have turned into books that have turned into movies? <laughs> Boogie Nights. That turned into books. Yes. <laughs> on radio. Well, we didn't, we didn't talk about it much, but there are, there have been some movies that the book adaptation actually added a little bit to the movie. Yes, there have been. So, um, love to look into some of that maybe so, for another. So, you know, another read Triple X. Ishtar. That's a good one. Let us know, Geeksters. Um, Boys in Hood. Stop. <laughs> Juice. Color purple. Color purple. There you go. Pur- no, 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 no. Sorry. Color purple, too. That what? Was- there was no- what? There was no... There was no... It was color purple, too. The Reckoning. Y'all remember that? Y'all see that? What? Let Ken close us out. Sorry. <laughs> well, let us know, Geeksters. You can find us on the internet. Geekwatch1.com. Anywhere and where all social media and look for Geek Watch One. If you look for Geek Watch One and put that into a search bar, don't find us. Let us know. Miss Doll will take care of the problem. Oh, so, Kyle, was it a crossover with Rambo? It was. <laughs> <laughs> you can also email us geekwatchone at gmail.com. Uh, we are on the networks, the Tangibound Network at tangiboundnetwork.com and we be geeks at webegeekspc.com. And so, for. Kylan and Dawn and Vicky and the Rubber City Posse and Bart and myself, just remember no matter where you go there you are you can't just get her in